Let me pray, mate. <laughs> Father, as we pause to pray, we speak blessing and healing upon Joe right where she is. We pray restoration in her body, soul, and spirit because that's who you are and that's what you do. And we ask you to be with her right now, sensing your presence and your restoring power in her life. And we blessing upon Harry for the word you've just put in his heart to bring today and give us open hearts and minds to be received and, and fed by you. And we say thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Is that okay? Can you hear me? I apologize for not being as attractive as Joe and probably not as eloquent as Joe, but I've what you've got. If you look around the room, you can tell the people from the UK, they're the ones wearing thick jumpers and cuddled up, while the rest of you are in short sleeve shirts and feeling warm. And if anybody's got a spare jumper, my wife would really appreciate it. You just put the, f you need to start the presentation, yeah. <laughs> I want to speak on Psalm 23 this morning. And it's maybe from a slightly different perspective than you've heard before. In a country far, far away, a long time ago, close, Scotland, it's a country that is probably furthest from here that you can possibly go, a beautiful, handsome young baby was born. It was me. And as I grew up, um, the Lord is my shepherd. As I grew up, we had some close family friends who owned a farm. And one of my favorite things as a kid of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old to do was to go and spend time on the farm with my grandparents and my parents. And it was great because I'd get to sit on the tractor and steer the tractor sitting on the farmer's knee. And we'd jump off haste, off. off things onto haystacks and all kinds of stuff. It was a really good time. But there were shepherds. They had a sheep farm. And on the farm there was rolling green hills. And they had sheepdogs. And they managed the sheep using sheepdogs. The relationship between the farm and the sheep was through a whistle to a dog and the dog do what the whistle said. Some years later, when I grew up, we went to New Zealand, and we stayed on a farm there. And they used trail bikes to herd the sheep, and dogs, and the occasional helicopter. Well, I didn't need a helicopter to herd sheep, I'm not sure, I'm sure it was just for the fun of flying the helicopter. When we go to the Middle East, they didn't use dogs. They don't use machines. The shepherd manages the sheep with their voice. The shepherd will walk 20, 30 sheep, that's probably meters nowadays, 20, 30 meters in front of the sheep or behind the sheep, and they will manage the sheep and where they go with their voice. There is an intimacy there. It said that if you get three or four flocks of sheep in a fold, in a big pen, and it's time for them to move out for the day, the shepherd will come along and they will speak and their sheep will come out. 
none of the others. Isn't that amazing? I find that amazing. It is so different to what my concept of a shepherd and the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep was. And it adds so much value to the things that Jesus says when he says, my sheep will know my voice. There is an intimacy there, a trust there, a wholeness there. The other thing about shepherds in the Middle East is that there were mainly young girls and women. It was, it was an important job, but it wasn't a very highly esteemed job. It wasn't a job that anybody really wanted because you were out in 40 plus degrees in the wilderness and it was kind of uncomfortable. So it tended to be the lowest in the family who got the job. Now King David was a shepherd and the chances are that he didn't have any sisters. And he was the youngest and the lowest in the family, so he got the job of shepherding the sheep, which actually stood him in great stead when it came to slaying Goliath and in becoming king of a nation. Jacob's wife, Rachel, was a shepherd. It didn't work. <laughs> The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. In Scotland, the sheep roamed on green hills with lush grass during the spring, summer, and autumn months. In the winter months, they were fed hay because there was too much snow on the ground for them to feed in the fields. But there was plenty of food. There were beautiful lochs. Deep and really, really cold, let me tell you, because I don't know why they were cold. They were just cold because they were in Scotland, I guess. In New Zealand, there was the rolling green plains, and the sheep would be out in the fields enjoying it. In Israel, this is what the pastor, pasture, not the pastor, the pasture looked like. I must... It was desert. It was a wilderness. Psalm 23 is part, partly about survival. There are 40 degree temperatures and the pastures and the still waters were tiny bits of grass and tiny clumps of grass in amongst the wilderness and it was a shepherd's job to lead the sheep to find them. And without the shepherd they would starve to death or they would die of thirst. The way it worked is that the damp air would blow in from the Mediterranean and it would move across the wilderness and cause this grass to grow. And it was scant and it was scarce, but that's what the shepherd was there for. That's what our shepherd is there for, to make sure that we have food when we need it, to make sure that we have drink when we need it. And the sheep had absolute trust in him, or her, I should say her, because there's nowhere else to go. I loved it when Jesus says to Peter, you know, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter says, we've got nowhere else to go. It's about provision in the hostilist, hostilist, hostilist. There must be a word that says I'm in a really bad environment. In the most hostile environment. 
You know, I have been through several wildernesses. We had a church split in well, a long time ago, which was one of the hardest times of my life. Our son was exceptionally ill, and I was out of work for a year, having made a silly mistake thinking I was following God. I'll talk more about that in a minute when we talk about the next bit. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is a really interesting one. I was down at um, Belgrave Swimming Pool with Lotus and another couple of kids and families and stuff on a hot day last week, or a couple of weeks ago when it was really hot. And one of the ladies said, can I get you an ice cream? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And she came back with this tiny little Coke pole. And I thought, that looks disgusting. But I want to tell you, when I took it, it refreshed me. It was such a delight on that hot day just to have this scrawny little Coke pole. <laughs> and when Jesus says that he refreshes our soul, it's more than a Coke pole. It's the infilling of his spirit. It's life. It lifts our spirit. It lifts our hearts. It lifts us. And that's what these little bowls of water did for the sheep as they went through the desert. The paths of righteousness is an interesting one. It obviously has connotations about living righteous lives, but there is also a physical expression to the paths of righteousness. Now, this is not a good... Oh, it didn't go. This is not a good show... <laughs> There we go. This isn't a good photograph for showing the paths of righteousness. I've got a much better one at home that I forgot to bring. I must have had a senile moment. Senior moment, not senile moment. <laughs> but if you look up there, and it's hard to see because it's so far away, there are tiny little paths that come down the mountain and also along there. I'll bring the other picture sometime. And those were called the paths of righteousness. Because if you went to go straight down the hill, it was rough, it was rugged, and the chances are you'd end up with a broken leg and some dead sheep. But as soon as you got onto the paths that went round and round the hill in just gentleness and well-worn, they were very, very safe. Those are the paths that our shepherd wants to lead us in. Now, the other thing that's interesting, and this isn't, you'll have to watch this, the paths actually kind of crisscross one another all over the place. So you're continually coming to junctions where the paths cross one another. And there's a decision to be made there. And you know, sometimes Father doesn't mind what we do. He doesn't have a preferred path. He just says, pick a path. I had a picture running set free some time ago. And the picture was that the way into the kingdom is narrow. There's one way in. That's through Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. But once you get into the kingdom, it opens out into this huge valley with lakes and streams and lots of paths. And Father's saying, come, choose a path. Walk with me. Choose a path. You choose a path. I don't need to choose a path for you. You choose the path. There are often lots of options 
and often God doesn't mind. But sometimes he will highlight a path and say, this would be a good one to take. That happened to me about 18 months ago when we started talking about coming to Victoria. The last place on earth I wanted to live was Victoria. <laughs> I, has a, I also have an absolute aberration of moving house. And moving house that we'd lived in for 17 years to move interstate was just a nightmare. But at the same time as we talked about it, there was a stirring in my spirit. That there would be new opportunity. That it would be a good thing to do. And we could have stayed in Sydney and that would have been fine. God wouldn't have minded. But I responded to the stirring in my spirit and also to my wife saying, I'm not going to be a long-distance grandmother. And I didn't want to be a long-distance husband, so we ended up here. So it was a mixture of God and Liz and, you know. And I have to say, I'm really glad that we made the move. It has been amazing. Thank you for welcoming us. But sometimes there is one path. Sometimes there is one that just stands out. I talked about prophecy a few weeks ago and the prophetic word, and moving into 2024 with the prophetic word. And as we move into 2024, as we move through life, there will be continual choices to make. I was the chief information officer for Pickles Auctions for six years. I had a very secure job working for a Christian family which was exceptionally well paid. Somebody came to me and said, we're starting a company which is gonna build 35,000 houses in Timor two hospitals and a number of health centers, we'd like you to be our CIO. I felt a stirring in my spirit. I thought, wow, this sounds great. The, uh, the money was coming, and so I carried on at Pickles, and eventually the money came, I was told. So I resigned from Pickles and um, started work for this company. Except the money hadn't come, and the money never came, and I ended up unemployed. I'm not very good at being unemployed. It just doesn't sit with, I need to be doing something. So for a year, I, well, for six months, I worked for this company for no money, and then for the six months, applied for jobs with no success whatsoever. I went to a prophetic conference at Dayspring, which used to be a vineyard church in Sydney, and um, it was a Bobby Connor conference. Bobby Connor is a, is a world-famous prophet um, from the States. And the conference went Thursday evening, all day Friday, all day Saturday. And I thought God was going to speak to me because I needed him to speak to me because we were getting kind of financially a bit desperate and things weren't doing well. So Saturday afternoon, most people don't go to the conference or, or it's quieter. So I find myself sitting in the back left-hand quadrant, four rows from the back in the middle row, with nobody around me. And Connor does his, does his message, and then he, comes, then he stands up and he says, oh, there's somebody over there in the back right-hand corner, the four rows from the back in about the middle of the row, God is making a job for you, which is ideal. It will suit you absolutely perfectly. I looked around me, and there was nobody else in the row. I was four rows from the back. I was in the back left-hand quadrant. And by a huge act of faith, I thought, that's probably for me. 
Two weeks later, a friend rang me and said, would you go to Fiji and do a project review? I did that, and I ended up working in Fiji for four and a half years, which saved us from selling our house. It was a great experience, but it was also a very hard experience because I was away from home, apart from a weekend a month. And our son was going through a hard time, and Liz was struggling a little bit, and it was just, there were aspects of it which were hard, and there were aspects which were good. But I would say it was God's provision, and I certainly learned a lot there. So sometimes there is an obvious path that God is saying, this is the way to go. And sometimes it's a case of, you choose. I don't mind, you choose. And sometimes it's a case of, okay, there's these three or four paths, but I'd suggest this one, says the Lord. As we move through this year and as you move through life, and you see different paths in front of you and different opportunities and doors open, I would urge you just to stop for a minute and say, Father, do you have a preference or do you mind? Is the one I should take or is it, you know? But it's a conscious action of actually looking and seeing what God wants. And sometimes he doesn't mind and we can choose whichever we want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death is also a shepherding term. And it occurs when the shepherd's been out all day, they're heading back to the place of safety and where they put the sheep in the fold, and they haven't made it. And it's got dark. They're in trouble. So what the shepherd does is rather than be 30 yards in front or 30 yards behind, he actually stands in the middle of the flock and gathers the flock around him. And he has his rod ready to kick, ready to kill anything that comes that would harm the flock. And he has his staff to keep himself stable on his feet. I used to think when I first read this psalm that the rod and the staff were for disciplining me. But an eastern shepherd would never, ever touch a sheep with his rod unless it was to keep them safe. God is not in the, in the business of disciplining us. He's in the business of loving and caring and shepherding us and us following him and trusting him. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. One of the things which marked out Abraham and the Israelites was hospitality. They would, the first thing they would do would be open the doors and feed you and cause you to drink. Cause you to drink is not a good way of saying have a drink, is it? But even now, if you were in the wilderness and you came across a shepherd camp or a camp, the first thing they would do would be welcome you in and feed you. Even today, even to their enemies. It's an amazing thing. I mean, it says, my cup, does it say my cup overflows? It says my cup overflows. What that is, is that 
you come in and they give you a drink. And when you drink it, if you empty the cup, they'll refill it. And they will keep refilling it until you leave something in the bottom. Because that says you've had enough. And God is like that. God is like that. You know, um, in ministry, I do a lot of prayer ministry. And it's something I'm not very good at. But God is. And every time I do it, he surprises me. And my cup overflows. But it's always a choice. There's always a choice to say no. I will always say yes. Because God always turns up and my cup overflows. Does that make sense? So I'd urge you, whatever you're called to, whatever, you, whatever God has put on your heart to do, do it. Even if you don't feel capable, even if, especially if you don't feel capable, especially if you don't feel you'd like to, because God will cause your cup to overflow in that area. He anointed my head with oil. This is another interesting one. A sheep's head in the wilderness was a target for parasites and bugs. And what the shepherd used to do was to cover the sheep's head with oil to protect them. God anoints us with oil. He anoints us with the Holy Spirit. Part of that is protection and part of it is authority. Goodness and mercy have followed... Oh, I forgot to flick the slide. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have been a Christian since February 1972, which is a couple of years. When I look back across my life, there have been times... It's been a bit like a roller coaster. There have been times which have been really, really hard, times which have been amazingly good. The one thing I will say in reflection is that God has always been good. That in the hardest times, in the darkest times, in the saddest times, Jesus has shone through. Sometimes eventually. Sometimes he leaves it until the 11th hour, 59th minute and 59th second before he gets there. But he gets there. And because of that, I trust him implicitly. The next one's a bit dodgy. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're in the house of the Lord now. We will be dwelling with one another forever and also with the other Christians and the other people we've known who've gone before us. We are family, and we are family eternally. I um, have a very strong conviction that you are my family. You are my brothers and my sisters, which means that I treat Christians as if they were my brothers and sisters, and that something special in that you know, sometimes we have sisters we don't get on. I've only got sisters, so I can only talk about sisters. Brothers, well, you might go on brothers. I don't know if we've got brothers. But sisters, you know, sometimes you get on with them and everything's good, and sometimes, sometimes it's not quite so good. And it's the same in the family of God. We will have close relationships and relationships which aren't close. 
But we are brothers and sisters. We are family. We are eternally linked. That's a scary thought in some ways. In other ways, it's a brilliant thought. It's a wonderful thought. The story of Psalm 33 is about trusting God. In good times and in bad times, and in the choices that we make. And it's about loving. Someone asked me recently, the foremost commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. How do I do that? And that's a really interesting question. I thought about it for a while, and I thought about, well, how do I love God? Now, love is not primarily an emotion. It's a decision. It is an action. It is stuff that we do. I love God by trusting him, by believing that he has the best for me, acting as if that's true. I trust God by obeying him when he tells me to do something, or when he suggests even slightly that I do something. I think that's a good idea. I love God by not running away when I sin, but rather coming to him and saying, Father, I'm sorry. The natural thing to do is hide like I did. The good thing to do is just to say sorry and get on with life. He knows where we are. I love God by talking to him and by listening to him. Prayer is a two-way thing. I prefer to listen than talk. I get more out of it. The best example of love that I have working in my life at the time, let me rephrase that, one of the best examples of love I have working in my life at this moment in time is my relationship with my grandson. He's 18 months old. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Otis, I don't think he loves me emotionally because I don't think he's old enough to understand that but he trusts me implicitly. He feels safe in my presence. He is happy to come and put his arms around me and for me to chuck him about a bit and to go for walks and to do things. The difficult thing for me is he loves my wife even more. <laughs> he charges after her around the house. And it's because Liz actually has a much better way of communicating with Otis than I do. We are man to man. <laughs> Liz's grandmum to baby. <laughs> God wants this morning, I believe, to say, I love you. He wants to say, Come. Come with everything you have. Choose to put whatever hold you back aside and come. I will guarantee you 150% that God's way is a good way. It's the best way. And he's saying when you have choices, when you have different powers of righteousness that appear before you, just ask him, does he mind which one you take? Is the one better than the other? Or is the one really good? And please, please, please don't take the one that is a bad one. 
There is a bad, that trying to go straight down the hill is not a good one. Um, that's it. That's all I have to say this morning. I believe it is fun being a Christian, but it's also hard. We, we lived in a very privileged society. Most Christians do not have what we have, um, just in terms of goods and stuff. Um, and this is a little reminder of that sometimes. We are privileged. And God's invitation to you this morning is to say, yes, I will follow you. You know, the, the, a, a typical, I'm going off the point here, a typical flock of sheep in Israel had goats in it. Now, the interesting thing was that sheep and goats eat totally different things, so that wasn't a conflict of interest. The sheep would obey the shepherd like that. The goats would rebel and buck around. But the interesting thing is that they got to the fold in the end. My strong suggestion is choose to be a sheep because it's much harder being a goat. I've tried. Let's stand together. If you can, don't stand if it's difficult. Father, this morning we thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. That your heart towards us is one of love and affection and care and you don't have a bad thought in your head about any single person in this room. And Father, I just want to bring everybody before you now. And whatever the choices are that are to be made, I just ask Holy Spirit that you would blow into people's hearts and influence them to pick the best choice. To pick the best choices, Lord. And we just invite you now, Holy Spirit, just to move amongst us and to do whatever you want to do.